Welcome back to the Backroom Podcast. I'm Zach Wynn, and today's special guest, we have Michael Ferguson. Um, so he was a state runner-up at uh, Cheney High School, where I went to. He was an NIC athlete and a jiu-jitsu blue belt. He was also a 2014 Pan Am jiu-jitsu champion. Now, before this episode starts, I'd like to let you guys know that uh, about halfway through the episode, the audio gets a little messed up, but if you get past that, it goes back to normal, uh, not too far along, but uh, there's a good portion where the audio gets a little messed up, and it sounds like we're talking over each other, but in reality, we're not. Also, uh, another warning that Michael Ferguson uses some explicit language, and I would not want anyone that doesn't want to hear explicit language to move on any farther than this. Well, howdy there. Well, how's it going? You know better than you think. Man, I haven't, I haven't talked night, to you in a really so long time. You know, it's the truth. It's the truth, but you're across the world doing some cool shit. I mean, that's what that's what I like to tell people, you know? Mm-hmm. Or at least social media says it. Yeah, exactly. I mean... Whole life's perfect online. Mm, no, for real. Well, I am a longtime listener and a huge fan. Well, thank you, Michael. It's uh, I'm glad I could have you on because uh, at one point in my life you were uh, a major influence. So it's kind of it's kind of nice to have you on. Well, I appreciate that greatly. I've never uh, done one of these things before. It's really exciting. Really. Talking in my room like a weirdo. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like just like another phone call where we can uh, just talk about random stuff and uh, really get people to know more about Michael Ferguson. Mm. Yeah. It's a broad concept. Yes. A lot of people, well, at least like when I talk about Michael Ferguson, they know you from uh, your high school uh, senior picture. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about that or? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll dive into that. I, I love to wear lensless pink glasses. Uh, one of your older guests, uh, Garrett Peterson, was bringing this up a little bit, but uh, a couple of different teachers thought that my photo was suggestive and said I looked sexual. And only one person, uh, Mr. Roberts, said that I didn't break any rules with it. And I threw a little tantrum like uh, young men do, you know, and that ends up being expressed a little, you know, non-eloquently, but ended up getting through it a little bit, got on the news and got the attention that a lot of young people are kind of craving. So why do you think like it was so suggestive? Because when you look at the picture, it's just you in a wet shirt at like a hot tub place, right? Oh yeah. Right in the hot tub, there was a water splashing on the back of my head. So it looked like a wave was crashing over me. I was pretty proud of it, but I, I could definitely see why someone would think of it as suggestive, but, you know, no rules are broken. I had, you know, all my clothes on, everything was a-okay. So I really wanted to just stomp my feet about it, but they twisted my arm. They said they wouldn't put it in the yearbook at all. So I ended up having to, you know, get another one that was pretty weak sauce, but I, I have that one framed at my mom's place. Yeah, she loves it. Not bad. But you do have like, uh, do you still have the pink sunglasses? When was like the pink sunglasses phase like completely over? Ah, man. So 
I, well, I got my first pair of them and then eventually they kept breaking. So I think I've gone through four pairs and I have one that is sitting around waiting for raves to happen. But uh, I ended up giving it up when I went to North Idaho College and started wrestling there. Uh, I did my first day of classes and I decided not to wear them. I just left them in my dorm room and all the athletes met up for a big study session. There wasn't any room with the wrestlers, so I hung out with all the basketball players. Mm-hmm. And one of them started bringing up uh, how someone from their hometown w- always wore these stupid purple lensless glasses, and that he looked, looked like super, super ridiculous. So I just chimed in, and I uh, let the peer pressure get the best of me and stopped wearing them. Yeah, you were like, "Yeah, I'm done." Like that's that was it. That's that's it. That's all there. Yeah, all there was to it. So right now, I'm going through your Instagram. And I think you're more of like a really creative kind of person. Like uh, I see this picture where it says, where do you get your blender bottle? And you're just drinking out of a blender. Mm. Yeah. You know, what? Uh, just really goofy stuff, especially early on with social media. I love making little short videos, putting it to music and, mm. yeah, you know, doing the Gwen Stefani. Oh, that shit. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, yep. I loved it. Mm-hmm. You were, I mean, you were quite the influence, especially online when we were in high school. Um, so what happened to like that creativity? I, I just kind of channeled it into other areas. I, I started kind of feeling weird about posting on social media regularly mm-hmm. because people, I, I, I don't know, just some of it seems kind of phony. You know, it, it's just a weird concept to me that people sit around with their phones uh, in weird ass areas, taking pictures of food, mm-hmm. you know, doing all the regular things like, hey, uh, catch me doing a weird yoga pose, which, you know, I, I had one of those on my Instagram. And so I just uh, got fed up. And if I ever take a really cool picture, I, I, I reckon I'd post it, but I just haven't had anything come up that made me feel the need lately. Do you think it's because like, well, for me, at least, I, I don't post on like social media as much, probably because I'm like not in uh, high school or college where I need people to think like I'm cooler f- for no reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like social media, like outside of college and high school isn't really like a like a necessity. You need you don't need to really impress people. Mm hmm. Well, you know, something on your Instagram that kind of pokes out at me is a, a, a big trend that I have with the people that I follow is I like to check out people's Instagrams that make me feel happy. Mm-hmm. Like seeing you enjoying yourself makes me feel like, you know, I, I get to kind of share just a little bit of that shred of an experience with it. You know? Yeah. Pretty great. I mean, it's like if you know, like a, a famous person, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I knew that guy for like 0.2 seconds. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing, you know? Exactly. You latch onto it for just a little bit. I, I just like that kind of positivity to be spread around, especially through social media. I, I don't like to get on platforms and, you know, the spew stuff that not a lot of people really want to listen to. Mm-hmm. But I got to ask, uh, how's it going over there for you? You know, early in the AM across the world. How's life? Well, it's only like nine, but it's pretty good. It's uh. Really- it's still pretty early, I guess, but um, it's pretty good. Corona, I mean, they, they're just starting to open up their borders. Uh, next week, they're going to open up the gyms finally, and I really wanted to get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so hopefully I can do that. Um, but we'll, we'll see about that. 
Ooh, what's the jujitsu scene like over there? I mean, it's just like and they don't really teach jujitsu. It's just a bunch of guys that kind of know it, and then they try to teach each other and stuff like that. I mean, I think there's like one purple belt, so it's not like fully the greatest, you know. But I mean, it, it's what I got, you know. I gotcha. Well, you know, when you get your brown belt, you become a wizard. So I hear that's for sure. I've been hovering at blue belt lately. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot to even get to blue belt. How long did it take for you to go from white to blue? Uh, it took me a lot longer than the average cat. I, I had to follow the, you know, IBJJF rules that say that you can't get a blue belt till you're 16. Mm-hmm. And when I ended up uh, doing Pan Ams in 2014, I was an orange belt because that's all I could get because I was a kid, but I was still in the same year that qualifies me as a blue belt. So I ended up getting my coach, James Weed's uh, old blue belt and went out there and did some competing and it was really fun. And so when you competed at such a high level, like were you also going against people that were less than blue belt or like this, like a, just pretty much anybody? Well, you know what? It was a, a junior age class. So it was 16 to 18 year olds. And I signed up for, the absolute division, which is no weight classes, but the same age group. And I only had one match in some, in my actual uh, weight class, which is translated to a very heavy male child <laughs> from Portuguese. I, I had to look it up and I, I laughed my ass off for a long time. But uh, the other one, I ended up getting second in the absolute division. Uh, my semifinal match, I ended up breaking the kid's arm and pretty weird. You could find it on YouTube somewhere. I, I wouldn't recommend it. But yeah, the next guy, I ended up just trying to slam him into the ground and he landed right in a triangle. I feel, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, every time I like hurt somebody or like get in an argument with somebody, I, I instantly like feel terrible. Did you like when you break break this guy's arm? Did you just feel like absolutely terrible? Were you like, oh man, I might have to quit because that was awful? Uh, you know, I I didn't pay it any mind until after I was done competing. Like I got up and I was. Uh, what had happened was I had taken him down with a big double leg. He got unconscious, and then I ended up snapping his arm, but I didn't know he was unconscious. And so after I heard the snap, I let go of everything and I looked up at the ref and I got off of him. But I was just in a weird animalistic zone where uh, that kind of empathy is just totally drained. And I was just eyeing down the next guy I had to go. That was it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely felt terrible later. Yeah, that was uh, kind of weird because the dude came in from Brazil and I'd like, I don't know what his insurance is over here. I don't know how any of that crap works. So I hope he's doing well wherever you are, guy. Yeah, hopefully he's doing. I mean, he's probably not listening, but if he is, he, Michael Ferguson is definitely not uh, recording it and watching it every day. Um, <laughs> so, so Ferg, what are you doing like outside of high school? Because I remember you at one point. I mean, you went to college for for something, right? I mean, are you using that degree or anything? Well, actually, when I went to North Idaho College, I was planning on having a degree in philosophy. But I thought about the philosopher factory and it doesn't really lead to any promising places. So when I ended up leaving NIC and transitioning back to Eastern Washington, I decided that if I'm going to go to college, I might as well pick up a skill mm-hmm. like stripping. Like if, if you know how to strip, you can do it in every single county in you know, planet Earth. It, it's the same thing. So I decided to learn how to speak Spanish and I'm a Spanish major. 
So are you going to be like a translator for someone or something? Honestly, dude, I have no idea. Like I I'd like to, you know, do a little bit of translating. I probably working with the youngins too, because there's a lot of places, especially in Washington, where when you go to the playground, you don't hear English. It's just Spanish everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it would suck to be taught in a language that you don't really understand or have the greatest grasp of yet. And I just want to be able to make a difference in that way for a bit. But wherever else life takes me, it's a okay. I'm thinking about doing something with some music, but right now I am the I'm I'm a kid in a Spanish class that hardly knows how to speak it, but next winter I'm walking with a degree in my hand. So how much Spanish do you actually know? Because when I went to high school, I took a semester or a quarter of Spanish and I don't remember a single thing. Mm. I remember like yo soy and that's it. Mm. Soy yo. Yeah, man. It's a, well, there's a couple of things that I've had to do to, get better at it. You know, part of it was just that constant practice and going to school. And then all my classes are entirely taught in Spanish now. So I, as one of the only people there that didn't learn it in the household growing up, I have little things that I got to rely on. Like my one phrase that gets me out of everything is cada dia es Navidad. Each day is Christmas, baby. You know, <laughs> if you say that one phrase to anyone that speaks Spanish, they'll lose their mind. Is it cause like, well, do uh, Spanish people celebrate Christmas? Well, I mean, uh, I'd like to think that there's a little bit of an association between uh, like Spanish speaking countries and Catholicism. So they do celebrate Christmas, but it's kind of like a carpe diem, you know, seize the moment, enjoy uh, everything around you. But it's phrased really, really funny. And hearing it from a gringo has got to be kind of interesting. But I say that and I get out of shit all the time in my classes. Like, what kind of shit do you get into? And then you're just like, every day is Christmas, baby. Well, mostly it's uh, when someone starts talking at me that so fast and I'm hardly able to, you know, catch anything. And I'm, I'm a rascal in class, man. Like, a, a lot of people like to stay kind of quiet, but I'm definitely an active learner. But a lot of my classes are over Spanish literature from the past. Mm-hmm. And that, that 1400s poetry is so gross. And they, all my classmates never had the look shit up because they already knew it and i was used to having to look up a bunch of things so at the end of that class i ended up getting a lot more of the story than other people because i looked up all the weird words and that kind of thing but are you learning any cool uh, italian phrases like cada dias navidad you got something that'll get you out of predicaments no i i haven't learned too much italian i want to get into it more um i'm gonna definitely start taking more classes as soon as this whole uh coronavirus thing is over um, whenever they actually start doing classes. Um, but also have been getting into a lot of like cooking and stuff. So mm. that is like, I've been getting into more like uh, Italian cuisine, just kind of teaching myself, not really like taking any classes or anything. So, I mean, I, I made some pretty fresh pasta a couple days ago and it was probably the best pasta I've ever made. Oh, word. Uh, I've, I've been making uh, quesadillas and grilled cheese like crazy during this lockdown. Yeah, my grilled cheese is superb. That's for I sure. mean, you have to have that. You have to have that right cheese to bread ratio. Cheese to bread, but it's also about uh, you know putting a little twist on it, like making it a pizza grilled cheese or making it like a barbecue pulled pork kind of grilled cheese. <laughs> and then you can put some mac in there, make some pasta, throw it in with it. Now you got mac and cheese grilled cheese barbecue sandwich, all in one. All in so one. I, I mean, that's <laughs> that's 
you heard it here, folks. It's Michael Ferguson with the mac and cheese barbecue pulled pork grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, for the tens and tens of listeners, I swear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, so there was, a, there was a point in your life where your dad owned this um, statue farm. Does he yes. still have that? He does. He's running on a little bit, uh, you know, more lean kind of a deal. But uh, he, he did some auctioneering out there. And right now there is a uh, 502 grill in the back. So they're pumping marijuana out of the ground. Of course. I mean, what, do you, what else do you do in Washington State? Uh, pump marijuana out of the ground. Yeah. So is your dad like, um, like a botanist or anything? Or, or is he just going off of what he sees on the internet? Or how is he growing this marijuana? You know what? Uh, he was just a total gangster. Total gangster. He had this farm for like five years and never told his family about it. The only people that knew were in a really, really small circle. And I thought that it was the craziest thing because he knew I started, uh, you know, enjoying marijuana kind of late into high school. And then uh, I, he showed me and it totally blew my mind. Like I thought an ounce of weed was all the weed in the world. But apparently, like he had 600 or 700 plants and it That's... just absolutely blew my mind, dude. Yeah. So really, the statue form was kind of just uh, that was just like a cover up for what was the real operation. Yeah. No, I mean, it was like, I, I wouldn't say that because you're able to make money off of both, but his idea was to lease it out after it became legal. And after it got legalized, everyone got the papers. And now all he does is hang out and he's a nurse currently, but someone occupies the back and they make a ton, a ton of weed and then they hand it off. Pretty cool business. So are you a part of like this weed growing process? Like you're in the small circle. So do you have any part in actually doing anything or? Well, you know, I, I ended up helping out someone else that got to remain nameless, but we did a little bit of, of work together for a while and I enjoyed the heck out of his company. And it's it, it just taking this one little plant and then giving it all the love and attention in the world because pot is a very picky plant and this side of the state just doesn't have the right dirt. So a lot of the work was before anything was even planted, you know, collecting worms, getting all the soil just right, you know, just kind of getting everything ready to go. So how do you get rid of worms in a certain area? Cause I thought worms just kind of free roamed it and went everywhere. Well, it wasn't about getting rid of uh, worms. It's about putting the worms into the soil before you end up putting oh. the uh, plant in there because they end up uh, doing some crazy shit. Uh, you would think that this is weird, but out of the marijuana trade, the people that get off best are worm farmers. Really? Worm farmers. So, <laughs> is there like a worm to square inch ratio or is there like what's how many worms do you have to have for a certain plant? Well, you know, it was very unmeasured with what we were doing. But the uh, besides just getting the actual live worms, you can buy worm shit and worm farmers that produce worm shit are probably uh, way, way wealthier than anyone else. And that was one of my plans after college potentially is buying a worm farm, but it's kind of very established right now. But as legalization spreads through the world, I think that worm farmers are going to be still having the best takeaway from everything. Do you think marijuana will be legalized in uh, the United States federally, or do you think it'll be 
because uh, like this is a debate in my office all the time is will it be like will the military be able to do it i mean i think of course it'll be federally legal before i mean the rest of the world does you know well i mean it, it's about getting it from a reputable source like no one's lacing anything everything is totally clean it comes to you and uh, the money goes right back to the state a lot of the times in a, a lot of it and that gives a lot of hardships to every stage of manufacturing like from putting the plants in the ground to like selling it to some hippie you know a couple months later mm-hmm. but I, is, I, so oh sorry go does ahead does your dad yeah, yeah of course is your dad like growing a certain strand or is he like or a strain or is there like multiple strains that he's doing does he have his own strain well, you know, uh, he brought one strain to me in particular uh, called Red Panama that is really, really rare. He wasn't uh, doing anything with it at the time. But when I first uh, found out that he was doing it, he did this kind of lemon haze thing that mm-hmm. like, that was really bright. Like it, it tasted like a straight up lemon, kind of weird. But then the other one that he was doing was OG Kush. And then a few years later... I was talking to him like, damn, Papa Ferg, you're an OG. And he's like, oh, I'm an old guy. I'm like, wait, like you think that OG means old guy? And he's like, oh yeah, man. Like that's why I have the old guy Kush. Like, nope, nope. Papa Ferg uh, did not get that one right. But so he, so he's doing multiple strands and I mean, if he makes his own strand, what what would you guys call it? Ah, man, there's gotta be a great pun in there somewhere. I, I call it like, unlucky huckleberry or something weird you know with the word huckleberry in it mm-hmm. i was thinking like fergalicious or something like that i think that would be a unique and funny kind of name well, i'm ready to get sued bring it on fergie i i'm so lucky that i lucked out <laughs> on the deliciousness like i i tried to put that into other websites and like other usernames like twitter by the time i got a twitter it was already taken so I'm, oh, I'm, I'm well. stoked. I'm stoked with the good username. That's for sure. I, I'm a little late on the Twitter. I don't, I don't have Twitter. So what, can you explain Twitter in like a, like a really old person way? Really old person way. Is that how you think of me? But yeah, man, uh, you just spew a bunch of bullshit and some people might see it and like give it a like, but uh, something really nice that happened to me was for one of my birthdays, Kyle Duncan ended up uh, giving me a book of all my tweets. And it's really weird seeing them all laid out, but it's just a platform for you to say funny shit that no one's really going to see or care about, but it's just this constant berate of it. So if I think of anything a, a little funny, I end up posting it. I, one day I ended up spending three hours tweeting about Lil Yachty's neck, which by the way mm-hmm. is fucking enormous. He is the biggest neck I've ever seen in my entire life. And are we allowed to cuss on this thing? Of course, you can say whatever you want. Hey, good for fucking me. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think anyone's going to really care. So I, I, just let, I just let people say the thing. Um, so, um, do you, so are you just doing marijuana or are there like other drugs that influence your life or what kind of, if you're cool with talking about that? Well, actually right now I am relatively clean. I'll have a, a couple beers with the boys every now and then, but I'm really just trying to get my head right in this quarantine time, spend time uh, with a guitar and enjoying the company of my mom and my little brother at home. 
you said that you you were making you were playing a lot of instruments. I remember you and Hunter Peterson were actually in. Well, this is Garrett Peterson's brother. You guys were actually in a band called Oregon Organs. Mm. That name and was created on marijuana. That's for sure. But of course, I I could tell why. So was it <laughs> organs like organs in your stomach, and then the state organs? Or like, how did this name come along? Well, the state organs, the one thing that's a given. But uh, I I thought it was like I was thinking a mixture between like a church organ and, you know, some entrails popping out, but yeah, it was just a goofy name that we all were kind of stabbing at different names that would work. And that was a placeholder and it just became the legit thing for a little bit, but a a really good time. It's really fun making music with friends too. There's nothing that can connect two people more than bringing some harmony out to the world. Do you think, Oh man. So when you're making music, do you guys make your own music or do you guys just play like hit songs that were once big and now not so known? Well, you know, we do uh, some covers here and there. And then sometimes we uh, would mix covers. Like we did Crocodile Rock with Hey Ya by Outkast. So, you know, there, there's fun things that you can do if you can mix them. But like I, I probably have like 30, 35 original songs that. Yeah, I I wrote on my own or I got help with uh, organ organs and friends, but just having different people to play music with actually just develops your own idea of what you want to bring forth with music. Uh, The the guy I'm playing guitar with a lot right now, uh, I call him Papa Sam, the guy Samuel Jacob, he really opened my mind about playing the guitar and how to really improve. And I've been riding that wave for a long time. Do you play with anybody else? Because at one point you were playing with Hunter Ferguson. Well, I mean, I mean Hunter Peterson. What happened uh, to that? Oh, we ended up just uh, dissolving the whole kind of deal. But right now I'm predominantly hanging out with that Sam guy. And once this whole quarantine mess is over, uh, I just want to get eight people together and make some serious weird tunes in the future. That would be just a dream come true. What about – doesn't uh... – Dylan play any uh, instruments? My boy Dylan Gruel, he does not play the music, but he has a really, really good ear for great tunes. Like his Spotify playlist is something amazing. I wish I knew what it was, but yeah, he. Well, I'm not to look him up. <laughs> does he go under Teenage Jesus? I have no idea what his Spotify username thing is, but every time I hang out with him, there's just tasty jams all around. But it, it's also interesting because you never realize how many people actually contribute to that musical world through their life. You know, someone mm-hmm. that you've known for forever, like a, a grandpa brings out an old guitar and starts strumming away and blowing your mind. You know, it's just very possible for everyone. Do you, Are you influenced by anybody to like make music? Like, are you influenced by someone famous or maybe even like your parents or somebody else's parents? Man, uh, you know, that Sam guy influences me a heck ton, but I have a, a huge amount of respect for the Allman Brothers band. I've, I've probably spent, uh, you know, four or 500 hours of my life just zoned out listening to them because absolutely uh, terrific music. But besides that, I just went to a festival in Costa Rica with Papa Ferg. We went to the Envision Festival. And there was just a parade of awesome musicians uh, that didn't stop for five days straight. And just kind of getting in with different kind of Latin-based rock and funk. 
really just made me realize that I want to make music that people can dance to in the end for just a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't matter the scale or anything. I just want someone to be really present and being able to dance around with me. That sounds cool. Like DJ Ferg, pretty much. DJ Ferguson. Kind of, but, you know, with live instruments. But I, I do like the idea of people going crazy and raving out because a lot of alternative music, it seems like there's just a lot of, you know, standing around in flannel shirts. And I don't want it to be that way. I just want people to dance. That's basically the main thing. I just want them to groove on it a little bit. But I, I also have a lot of room to grow myself as, a, you know, in quotations, musician. Like there's a big road ahead, just like for everything else. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This isn't your first time going to Costa Rica either, right? This is like your third, fourth time. It, it was my third time. Yeah, the other trips were you know, something special, but this time it was just a, a little bit about the party, a lot about the music and the yoga. But the, the first time I went, I ended up spending most of my time in the yoga studios that they have at the festival. Because it's mm-hmm. it's half like a fucking rave, and then the other half is just a bunch of hippies doing some seriously weird yoga stuff. Not bad. So, are you? Because you said something earlier about uh, joking around about posting uh, yoga poses on Instagram. Are you actually doing yoga, or are you just kind of? Is it kind of just like a thing that you do sometimes? Yeah, if, if I go down like a little tangent real quick, I. Uh, I really first discovered yoga when I was doing one of those classes at that Envision Festival. We, we did that Savasana pose at the end where you're just laying down and breathing, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, as I, I was just feeling very present, very in tune. I wasn't thinking about anything. It, it was all just kind of happening. And then uh, someone around me started snoring, and I thought, like, oh, nerd, you know, you fell asleep during Savasana. And then yeah. uh, a couple seconds later, I realized that I was – that my body had been completely put into sleep while I still had absolute total focus and consciousness. And uh, ever since then, I've been really, really enthralled with it. But just before the quarantine, I've been going, you know, four or five days a week, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. just so I can, you know, sweat it out for 60 minutes. It's a really great thing to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think sleep is such a, like a like a weird concept in life, you know, like, someone's just going to turn off for eight hours of the day and no one's going to even know what's going on during those eight hours. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, w- one of the weird things that we don't really talk about is just how much of our life we spend not conscious, you know, how much time we spend in these weird little important areas. So it's important to have really good sleep hygiene. And I have not been keeping up to that uh, these last couple quarantine weeks. Time's been going kind of slow. Lots of TV binging to do, you know? Well, I, I mean, my my uh, my wife Hannah, she she stays up like pretty much all all night. At at one point during quarantine, I mean, she's got it under control now, but she she would stay up all night. Like she her her schedule was complete opposite to mine, and I would try to like go to bed like at a decent time and wake up at a decent time, because you know I, I have to go to work sometimes right. like, yeah. during the quarantine. So so I. I had to keep it under control at like at some degree you know right is it kind of difficult having that different sleeping pattern with a spouse i've never had to kind of deal with that i I always find it kind of easy to go to sleep when a partner goes to sleep you know like i'm just very in tune to another person but is that weird for you at all 
no, I think it opens up more opportunity for me to like uh like play video games or um watch TV on my own, you know. Some you time is super super important. That's for sure. I, yeah, I think I mean in any situation, you should definitely have your own time to do your own thing. Mm. For real. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, especially young spouses, it seems like always joined at the hip and it's kind of weird to me. Like like everyone needs some Mm -hmm. personal space. It's cool to be married. What, like, what's the phrase? Uh, I married you till the day you die, but I did not marry you to go to lunch, you know, every single fucking day. It's, it's, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it, it, it can be overwhelming. And so when I think about that concept of marriage, that part is, kind of looming over me just being around for someone so long that I get tired or they get tired of me, you know, kind of weird. But if you're getting that you time, that's super awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, I mean, we do get into our occasional uh, misfits and, and stuff like that. But I mean, eventually at the end of the day, you just kind of have to put it behind you and just forgive and forget. So it's definitely made me more mature as a person for sure. Mm. It's a cool way to think about it, man. I, I I can't wait to get there someday, but it's awesome seeing you rolling through life uh, like a breeze right now. It's cool. Yeah, man. If you ever need a place to stay in in uh, Aviano, Italy, it's pretty close to Venice. Everyone likes to go to Venice for some reason. So mm. we live pretty pretty close to Venice. Weird. Well, I am the best crowd or uh, couch crasher for sure. Of course, we have two of them actually. Oh, so. like put them together, make a Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah i don't know about that one yeah, it all works out in the end right yeah i mean it worked, i mean the couch is just big enough for me to fit on you're also like a foot and a half taller than i am that's true but you, you know all you got to do is wear a pair of timberlands and you'd be catching up i swear do you still wear tims in this point in oh life? absolutely yeah it's a staple it's about when you take them out like I, right now i'm using my pair as a motorcycle boot that's that's mm-hmm. kind of its big utility, it, and I don't really use it for much other things. But if I got to work, if I'm going to the bar or anything, Tim's all the way. How many pairs of Tim's do you have? Do you have just the one, or do you have like multiple for different occasions? Well, you know, like these are my nice Tim's. These are my dirty Tim's. These are my Tim's that I'm gonna do work in. Yeah, I had two pairs, and uh, my good friend Hunter Peterson ended up uh, p- taking one of them off my hands for like 30 bucks. But I have my original pair, and I just don't see the need to drop 200 bucks on a new set because they'll stand up forever. And, you know, aesthetically, as a motorcycle boot, they're just getting torn to shit. But I'm going uh, to wear those until the day that they give out on me. And then just hopefully buy another pair, yeah, right? Yeah, we'll see. Well, what I mean, if that day comes, I'm guessing there's going to be no more Timberlands. Yeah, like there'll be a commodity in the future. But probably the best decision of my uh, young life was purchasing my first pair of Tims. I mean, what other purchases are great in your life that aren't Timberlands? Well, you know, I spent $900 on uh, my guitar, James. Is what I call them. Yeah. And what kind of guitar? It is, is a it? Telecaster, but I, so I work at that auction house in Post Falls where I do a little bit of auctioneering and a little bit of ring work. But one day I was auctioneering and this guitar came up from the sheriff's department in Post Falls. 
and they take a lot of stuff to auction if the kids of someone that's dead don't want their shit. And he ended up having this uh, Telecaster from 83 and it played like a dream. I bought it for 900 bucks and I, I was hyperventilating when I did it because I had ne- hadn't spent that much money on a guitar yet in my life, but mm-hmm. uh, it played like a dream and uh, James turns 40 in this decade, which is kind of exciting. I, it's cool because I'll be able to play that guitar until I'm 90. You know, it'll be there every single step of the way. And those old guitars just, you know, keep up. And it's kind of like a dog, man. Like if one of my guitars breaks, it feels like similar to when I had a dog die in my life. It's weird. It's a relationship. So when you're, when you do, so you work at an auctioneer place and what part in the, um, operation do you play in do you play like the like the guy that's just holding like the lady in wheel of fortune where she presses the buttons or are you like the main dude uh, it depends right now there's another guy that's having that main spot but i'm really good at my other job and i enjoy it so much uh the auctioneer will be going off doing his thing and then someone in the crowd will raise their hand to bid but let's say the auctioneer is looking in a different direction i'll yell yep and then the auctioneer will call that as a bid. And even if he doesn't see the person, he knows to refer to me when there's a winner. If there's multiple people, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm running the shit and he's just following along because I'm just, yep, 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 yep. And he just kind of keeps those going. And then we finally land on someone. And then he's back in control. But I love auctioneering. I do like a fake draw with that. It's a really kind of fun way to make a hundred bucks for a couple hours of your time. Could you, could you do that fast talking one more time? Like you're trying to sell me um, a boat for 20 grand for 20 grand. Like well, I'll start you off at a thousand. I've been now for five. I got a thousand dollars. I've been now five. I've been now for 10. I got five dollars. I've been now for that 10. I've been now 15. I've been now for that 20,000. Anyone 20,000. I've been now looking for 20,000. Last call sold your way. Zach Quinn. That's crazy. I, does it take, obviously it takes a lot of practice just to talk that fast. What do you, like, if you slow it down a little bit, what are you saying in between? You know all what, that's that? funny. I've done a recording of that where I talk and then I end up slowing it down later, but it sounds like five did the, did the bid now five did the bid now looking for seven and a half. I say, uh, my first number, a bunch of weird sounds. And then the second one, and it turns into five that about it. I've been now seven. I got five. I've been now seven. I've been now that ten. Like it, it's fun and it's very musical too. Like uh, my dad, when he was auctioneering, he always did this thing between seven and eight dollars. You go seven eight seven eight seven eight 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 seven eight seven eight seven eight eight eight. Like just little jokes and fun things that really make the job interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you do anything that's interesting that nobody knows about, or like? Because I mean, your dad had a thing. Do you have like a thing that's oh, going on? Man, uh, th- this podcast is the pretty cool thing. My whole life. Uh, definitely slowed down drastically during this quarantine thing but i'd I'd say that Mm. the big thing is just graduating college and procrastinating my homework so i can do a podcast with you and so so you actually stopped going to nic to go to eastern so what made you drop from because you were wrestling at nic what made you stop going to nic to go to ew i realized that uh I had made a mistake when I went to NIC and I started cutting weight because there's just such a difference between a college level 
wrestling room versus a high school one. And the, like the, the best mm-hmm. thing by far is that everyone is on the same page. Everyone's a freak of nature, monster, beast killer, you know, and you get put in that vicious environment. It really hardens you. Like there's no, hey, we're going to show everyone how to do a single leg today. It's, oh, you're going to get on the stationary bike for an hour. You're going to change because you sweat through your clothes and then we're going to wrestle for an hour. And I really, really enjoyed that. But uh, the coaches politely asked me to step down from about 230 to 197. And I had always made fun of, you know, the lighter guys like you that, like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you got to cut weight, poor guy. And then I actually did it. And my whole wrestling just tanked. Like before that, I was able to wrestle for an hour, whatever. You know, at 2.30, I was very healthy, very, very ready to go. But the second I lost all that weight, uh, people that I was going toe-to-toe with were just smashing me, man. I couldn't do anything. And I ended up uh, injuring myself by giving a lateral drop to uh, my good buddy Jordan from that team. He ended up kind of pushing into me a little bit, and I really didn't want to throw him. But he just kept pushing and pushing. So I tossed him and it ended up uh, dislocating my AC joint, I think is what it's called. But something in my shoulder was messed up for a while. And I just went into the coaches and said, hey, I can't do this anymore. I want to go back to Washington. And it was definitely a good call because I don't think I could have seen my life kind of go on in a super healthy manner, just staying in Idaho and chasing the 197 dream. Not good. Not good. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm hanging around 240, 245, well, and I love it. Well, 230 to 197, that's that's a huge oh. cut. Yeah, I mean for anyone, that's a that's a big I have cut. all the ab pictures I'm gonna need for the next 15 years, that's for sure. Cause oh. yeah, yeah, you don't even have to go back down there. You just have But the I mean it was, it was just such a difference in quality of performance, too. That was the really jarring part, you know, from being able to really feel good about what I was able to do to all of a sudden just getting wrecked to every tournament and every practice. Like there was just nothing I could do to feel okay. Cause there just wasn't any muscle, just a bag of bones, really kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually, this is a pretty interesting story. Uh, you had this foreign exchange <laughs> student as a girlfriend. Yeah. And, uh, you you went to Germany and you got your heart broken like that same week. Well, you know what? I I already said a bunch of cuss words and I talked about drugs and shit. But if Emily Raspa is listening to this, fuck you, dude. Ugh, it was such a shitty move. I was a young man going in between my junior and senior year of high school. And this lady had dated me for about nine months. And then I, I had it all arranged. I was going to fly over there. We were going to spend some time together in the summer. It was going to be dope. And instead of... And, and she, was, she wasn't German, right? She was, she was like Tur- Turkey or something oh, like that? She was full on uh, German, but she ended up dumping me in Turkey because her family paid for us to go to a freaking resort for four days. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll keep going with your story with... Uh... Dating for nine months. Dating and... nine months, and then I got off the plane, and she just didn't look like she really wanted to be there. And it was just really awkward. We weren't talking or clicking at all. And I just kind of went on with it. And then she let me know in Turkey that she just was kind of done. So, like, I don't know if she found herself another man's 
because I get it being alone for three months kind of can make that seem like an appealing thing. But, you know, I, I was just sad that she didn't have the balls to tell me over the phone. Like, I shouldn't have to go all the way across the world for you to take a shit on me. You know, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like. <laughs> Sorry. Well, most people most people think that, like, uh, you should break up in person. Do you think this is one of those situations that, like, hey, like, I'm not I don't think I should fly across the world just for you to break up with me? You know, well, if <laughs> do you think that ran through her mind or do you think that she was like, yeah, I should just really break up with him in person because that's that's the nice person thing. To yeah, do. there's just that rule of common sense. Like if it costs like the person you're dumping two thousand dollars to get to you, like you should probably just do it over the phone like a human being. But I'm also taking a huge shit on someone that can't defend herself. And I'm sure that, you know, she's a nice lady and w- whatever the heck she's doing in her life. But. Yeah, yeah. She made a, a shitty move when she was young, just like I have and just like everyone has. Mm-hmm. But man, oh, we got on that plane to Turkey and she dumped me and her family turned on her immediately. The next morning. Her... Like on the way to oh, Turkey. No, uh, we went there separately and we were staying in our own room. Then she told me and her parents were already asleep. And so the next morning they got a message from her about it. They knocked on the door. They burst it open. The dad was like, hey, like, you're coming to breakfast with me now. Yeah. And I went there and his, his <laughs> wife was crying, man. Oh, she had so many tears. It was so, 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 so sad. And then we ended up having a great day. We just spent the rest of the day uh, checking out Swedish ladies at the beach. Pretty fun. Like you and her parents, not you and your oh, yeah. girlfriend. Me and the fucking parents, man. She got to chill out in the room and everyone was busy hating her. It was unbelievable. And side note, her little sister is friends with Ed Sheeran, which is kind of creepy to me because at that time she would have been like 14, but I guess they lived in the same town in England. Dude, Europe's whack. Like Ed Sheeran? Ed Sheeran, man. That redheaded monster? I I have no idea about him as a musician or a person. All I know is how famous he is for being the redheaded little monster or whatever. Everyone loves him. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all Ed Sheeran aside, yeah, don't don't get broken up with in Turkey. It's it's some bull. Do you think you should have just like? Was there a point when she was texting you where you were like, "Oh man, she might break up with me while I'm in Turkey," or was like everything normal until you got? Well, to Well, the big thought is like, oh man, you know, like sometimes texts get dry. Like when you've been texting someone for months, you know, I could see why someone would get kind of tired of it. It's just how it is, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that gave me, you know, comfort was thinking that, oh, yeah, you know, if she was going to dump me, like, she wouldn't make me fly across the world to do it. Dude. Yeah, that'd yeah, be awful. Like, no, <laughs> seriously, it's, it's a serious dick move. That's for sure. But <laughs> thanks for bringing it up, that man. Like, it's weird when someone else reminds you so... of shit that you've done, and you're like, oh, I haven't thought about that in a hot second. And you're like, oh, that's, that's actually awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... And do you think that's when Michael Ferguson became like, because he was injured junior to senior year. So that's when Michael Ferguson kind of really came to like pink sunglasses and he started smoking more <laughs> marijuana and he was doing a little bit other drugs that, you know, I mean, do you think that's what caused Michael Ferguson to, to like be a more confident, more um, standout guy? Well, I mean, other drugs allegedly. But you know what? Yeah, allegedly. Like, I, I, I was confident already. Everything was A-OK. But 
that was a big reality check. And it's really hard for a young man, especially, you know, like I, I was a decent wrestler. I was decent in classes, you know, like I tried to make people not hate me. You know, I, I felt like everything was pretty mm-hmm. cool. And so for a literal sign of someone saying, hey, you're not all that in a bag of chips is a, a gut check. And, you know, right now, like, I wish it didn't happen, but I'm, I'm totally okay with it. You know, I think I'm a better person, but yeah, getting a little bit crazier, doing the parties, uh, all the high school debauchery kind of things, you know, it's a... Uh, it, it was good for me, especially with wrestling too. It, it just kind of drove me. I was like, Oh, you know, like someone was willing to take a shit on you. Like make sure that you can take a turn to shit on other people on a wrestling mat. Like that was the big, that was the big mm-hmm. deal. Yo there. But yeah, senior year of high school was really, really fun for wrestling. But I got to say that that hatred or that anger definitely was a little bit of fuel. That's for sure. Because, you know, uh, winning, feel or what is it losing feels a lot worse than winning feels good that's how i kind of viewed it and yeah uh, that that hurt really fucking sucked but here i am a-okay you know living life it's all groovy um and then of course i remember a story that you were like stuck in Mm -hmm. turkey like you like took like some type of uber or something oh like man uh when i first got there the lady at the airport you know she saw my passport and it, in some broken english she said hey uh make sure that you don't ever go down a dirt road like make sure any driver never takes you down a dirt road because you could get kidnapped and then a couple months after i was there they had a coup so it was a, a really kind of volatile time in the area but when i left the germans at the little resort thing by the sea i was in this little shuttle bus and then there's a weird left turn and then i started seeing like you know some really really uh weird looking buildings with some weird characters outside of them and i had to do that thought like oh Mm -hmm. man like i I did not want to get ransomed and just after i got shit on like that would have not been the greatest thing in the entire world but yeah, I thought I was going to die for a good four miles. And then we ended up going on a different road and picking more people up. And, a, you know, a lot of relief because you never think about that weird feeling of, holy shit, like, I can't do a goddamn thing right now. Like, I am sitting here and a literal sitting duck. And uh, I ended up getting out of everything A-OK, flew back home. And I had the loving embrace of Garrett Peterson who waited at the airport for about four or five hours for me. Well, that's always mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett Peterson, Garrett Peterson, a big old, old shout out to Garrett Peterson. Yeah. He's good people. Of course. Um, so Michael, is there like any other stories that like maybe people don't really know about Michael Ferguson, but like, uh, like maybe like an alien encounter or, or an anything alien crazy encounter, dude. That sounds so crazy, man. Well, you got me kind of running through my head here. Uh, shoot. Wow. I think that the like big takeaway thing is that all the stories that are, you know, super, super cool. They, they got to stay private off the podcast, you know, but uh, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd say for sure. Uh, an old story is throwing a ridiculous party 
way out of hand immediately. And an hour or two later, it turned into all the dudes running around naked at each other. And uh, all the ladies in a different room. So I'd, I'd say that, you know, parties like that are important. And I think that especially after quarantine, people should be able to congregate and love each other and be able to, you know, have that kind of sense of community. I think it's really important. So uh, the big thing is to party on. Do you think that like, so your, your parties, they're not really like drug based or, or maybe they are, or maybe they're drinking based or um, do you think that, first of all, do you think that drugs in general should be like legalized, like all drugs? Like if people are, are willing to do whatever drug they want to do, let them do it. And if they have consequences, let them suffer the consequences. You know what I mean? Do you think that is something that should happen? Or do you think that we should keep it to where it is now where we regulate what kind of drugs people do? And like, I mean, people right now, I mean, there's people in prison that sold a gram of weed, you know what I mean? And now they're in prison for, or or not prison, but jail for a long time. You know, do you think that, um, like what side of the factor do you think we should be on? Do you think we should be regulating drugs or do you think we should just have everything legal? Well, you know, it's a a real double-edged sword and it hurts me to say, but honestly, it should be available and it should be safe and the government should be able to take crazy taxes from it so that, you know, they can end up bettering the community but if you just give them you're like hey we can't things but we care about you we don't want you to and something that could be funded from said drugs is for people that need it but i honestly think that community is solves the drug problem you know when you got a lot of people together that care about each other it's a lot harder to you know completely go nuts but i think uh treatment definitely has to be available and i think that we should come at it with a little bit more of a loving tone for the people that are addicted because it's not their fault a, a huge spiral happens and then they find themselves in a shitty spot you know there's always some light at the end of the tunnel mm. and i think everyone should just be the person reaching down into that tunnel you know help your fellow man that's for sure where do you lie on that subject, though? I'm kind of curious. For sure. I think um, drugs in general should be legal. Of course, there should be. I mean, like, it's kind of like that mom and dad effect. If your mom and dad say, like, yeah, I don't like that boy or I don't like that girl, like, you shouldn't date them. I mean, that just makes you want to date them more. You know what I mean? Or, like, you can't have cookies after 9 o'clock, so kids just go out and they, they sneak out of their room and they – go steal some cookies. You know what I mean? I think it's kind of like the same thing where um, people are like so down on like, not just like marijuana, but like heroin, meth and other crazy drugs like that, where um, people just kind of actually want to do it just because they want to be rebelish. You know, I mean, if, if it was like a norm, like everyone was doing heroin or everyone was doing meth, people would be like, Oh, well, I mean, it's if everyone's doing it, then I should do it. But if everyone wasn't doing it by choice and not wanting to break rules, then everyone would be like, "Oh, well, it's not cool anyway." So we shouldn't do it. To, like we shouldn't do it in general. Mm-hmm. So I think if it was legal or an option for people, like it wouldn't 
be such a such a bad thing or if we didn't think so negatively on it i mean obviously it's a bad thing right it kills people uh, or you know it, it's not it's not great it ruins families and a bunch of stuff like that but i think putting it into where we look so down on like people that are drug users and drug um so drug users and like uh people that are on drugs that we we just kind of like tone them out of the world and then they kind of then they're like oh well i'm gonna just do more because that's what's gonna help me cope with the pain and then that that really is just what puts him over the edge and what a terrible cycle but the the big thing with a total legalization uh uh, initiative would really kind of change the tone that the whole entire world's been setting for the last hundred years. Like for the last hundred years, all our laws are based off of some dude that's practically a Mormon, you know, like respect to all my Mormons out there, but uh, like some group of dudes who like to party, they like to do other shit on the side. They all got together and they're like, well, you know, we have to make all these rules seem like everyone's upstanding. You know, and it's just not reality. Like uh, governments should be able to be in touch with their people because, you know, an ugly truth to people is drugs. And some are super helpful, but like even the bad ones, like if you get cocaine in the United States, there's a good chance somebody died over that shit. That's whack. You know, like no Mm -hmm. one should have to die for me to get high. That is utterly ridiculous in every way. I mean, it, if you were doing COVID, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. so <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, maybe even more gang wars would happen. Who knows? I, I don't know the full thing on drugs being legal. I think every drug should be legal because, of course, all drugs have their benefit, like steroids. Like with with people that don't have enough muscle in their body to even carry themselves, of course, they should be put on steroids to hopefully gain the strength to carry their own body weight. Yeah, there's just huge needs in different areas, but, you know, cartels will find ways to get money differently. Like, I don't know if you know, but one of their revenue streams is kidnapping. It's huge, really huge. And like in Mexico, avocado farmers are heavily targeted. Like whole entire avocado towns get like military shutdowns in place because they don't, like they don't fuck with outsiders coming in and ransoming like ransoming off avocado farmers. It's kind of whack, but they'll figure out different ways to get money. But like shit, drugs. It's just a huge, huge industry, and it costs nothing in the beginning, but at the very end, there's human lives on the line. That all I'm saying is, if 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 avocados weren't so damn expensive, I probably wouldn't well, try and you know, kidnap Americans them myself, eat six you percent. Know? of the guacamole that we consume every year on Super Bowl Sunday. That one day takes up 6% of all the guac. It's what we do. You know, we love avocados. That's a really interesting fact. <laughs> I, I never actually knew that. And I think um, that's like actually a cool, cool nid, nid bit that Michael Ferguson knows that not a lot of Lots of useless do. information, man. Like penguins have knees. And that's why they waddle because they're squatting all the damn time. No, I swear. That's look bullshit. It up right now on uh, Safari, hit that uh, like penguin knees. An X ray is going to pop up and you're going to have your mind blown. 
Do you also believe in uh, the human-sized I penguin? I want to believe in it, but I don't. But, you know, I, I have a little faith that it's possible because that sounds like a scary apex predator, man. I think the person that said that there's a human-sized penguin is the same person that well, said I mean, that the Earth is flat. They're also so. totally correct because human size is pretty broad, you know, like... Like, I'd say there's a penguin closer to your size than my size, you know? <laughs> Wait, time out. Hold up. Did you just say that, did you, just oh, say that you were God, a flat earther? God, question no. mark? Yeah. Like, I, I haven't oh, okay. wasted that many brains, so that was good. You know? But, yeah, no flat earth here. Just a penguin knee believer. But, yeah, did you look that stuff up, man? It's crazy. Yeah. I'm going to have to real quick, because... That sounds, it sounds I, like I it's, thought so too. it's a lot. And I, I swear, I was just sitting on a couch. Uh, uh, let's just say I was just sitting on a couch. And I was talking to Garrett or someone. And I was like, dude, how does, like, how, how do penguins walk? Do they have, like, knees or joints? Like, what, what's going on in their body there? But, yeah, their knees are totally inside their body. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, they like, do have you, knees. Uh, had to squat and walk, you would waddle. Oh, I could see that. We're that, actually that doing makes it more right sense now. now. Thank God it's not a video podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. The, the only facts that I know are like Snapple facts, you know, like uh, cheetahs can carry up to two times their body weight in a tree. <laughs> and, uh, Dude, that's horrifying. Stuff like that. I mean, could you just imagine like a cheetah? How much does a cheetah weigh? You know, I don't have that fact readily on hand, but uh, you know what? That's worth a Google too. They are 72 kilograms, mm. like towards I the I wish I knew what that was in America. But I need to know <laughs> yeah. what Yes, that is, 100, that is 158 pounds. So 158 times two, that's So they can carry a Garrett Peterson and a little bell up into a tree. Heck yeah. A little bit. Yes. I haven't talked to that kid in forever, and I, I'm definitely gonna get him on the podcast eventually because he, he has some interesting points about like uh, he wants to talk about modern modernization and like where you technology know, like, is going. With that next. whole technology thing, uh, I was actually thinking about throwing away the phone for a year. You know. Oh man, I'm like so close. As soon as this quarantine's over, and I'm like able to go to work every day, and then I can get my information. Like if I didn't have to go to work and get texts about going to work, I would just put my phone in a drawer right now and just see what would happen. Because we're so, like, attached to our phone. And I feel like if I could just put it away for a month, like, I'd be so more friendly to people. It's just so much easier to have a human connection with anyone when it's not there. Like, you start realizing how much time people spend on it. Like, another Ferg fact is, I think, like... Mm -hmm teenage boys and girls end up spending like eight to seven hours a day on their phones. Like that's as much time as you're sleeping. So I'm just wondering what, you know, like what is that rest of the time doing? Like you're not present. You're not. Uh, yeah. There's only like another third yeah. of the day that you could actually be doing things. And then you got, you got to eat for at least, I mean, an hour of the day. So that's already you gotta seven take a hours. Shit, you got a shower, like, you know, I mean, they're probably they're probably going to the bathroom while they're using. Yeah, there's the definitely. You know, <laughs> nobody, 
nobody's going mm-hmm. to the bathroom like i'll, I'll be going through iFunny, and then all of a sudden my feet fall asleep and i realize that i'm a piece of shit and you realize like i've been yeah. pooping for like what, 20 that, that's so fucking weird dude can you imagine like time traveling and then someone asking like oh well you know, what's it like shitting in 200 years? I'm like, well, we take 45 minutes because we got this thing called Snapchat. And we got YouTube, you know, like, and TikToks, not to fucking forget the TikToks, you know. And we're, we're, we're aliens, <laughs> dude. We are. Well, I mean, I swear. Sh- shitting in, in, in private, too, is just like a, a social standard. You know what I mean? Because there, there was, because I've been, if you go to Rome and stuff like that, they'll they'll say like after gladiator battles or whatever they did in those coliseums, they would just um, go out into a big giant field and shit together, like not super far apart either. They just shit in a giant field, and, and it fertilizes the field, and you know they they all get it done in one one big amount of time, so they didn't have to wait on one person. I mean, it's like it, not it's just a shit super social thing that we do we're, we're able to make our own cultures and then kind of follow a standard and then later it seems weird but you know i'm not gonna lie like taking a shit with a bunch of the homies sounds pretty fun well i remember in in high school i would i purposely like duck class just to go to the bathroom and we would like all sit in the toilet like obviously there's mm. stalls, so I mean it's not weird, but right for real, or what we consider weird, but but uh, we would just like sit there and talk on our phones, and like some lady would come in and she'd be like, or not lady, some male supervisor lady or dude would come in and be like, what are you guys doing in here? And we're like, we're using the bathroom, and they'd be like, all right, and then they'd leave because, well, in my <laughs> high school at least they were or our high school. Uh, vape became like a huge thing and people thought they were vaping in the bathroom and it's not what we were doing. We were just trying to get out of class. You know, we were just those I mean, rebelish yeah, children. I, th- that's one of the things, the, the congregation room of the bathroom in high school is, you know, really, really kind of weird. And I remember one time talking to one of my homeboys about, you know, like a lady or something that was very, very, very inappropriate. And, like way past R rated, just crazy funny shit my, and my homeboy was laughing and then a teacher mr pike ends up flushing and then walking out of his stall to wash his hands and i just realized the dude just heard me go on a five minute fucking monologue about butt pussy or something really weird man i swear yeah we gotta live the bathroom yeah well mr pike too is a pretty chill teacher so i mean i don't imagine him really like man i made him freaking out so hard reason, at you know? a uh, deca trip that his wife excused him from the table and then when he came back uh she separated us a little bit and so i kept making him laugh from across the table and he started to shit his pants so he ended up or no he didn't start but uh, i made him almost shit his pants and he had to excuse himself again yeah but his like, wife, Patty Pike. <laughs> this kid's too me, funny. Dude. Oh, God bless her. You know, shout out to Patty Pike. Yeah. yeah hey, Mr. Yeah. Pike. Yeah, well, he said some weird shit, dude. Like, he said, I'm your mommy now. Uh, like, to the whole class, so it was A-OK. But you know, he had some weird things going on. You know, I think, I'm, like, pretty sure that man oh, was, like, like, on drugs. He, he had to be. His wife's know? a pharmacist, too, but... Man, walking into that class, I remember one period we ended up tipping his chair over 
So for the next hour and a half, he changed all of our grades to Fs and watched everyone sweat. And I was like, the balls on that dude. You got to respect it. Yeah. Like if I'm teaching someday, I'll, I'll take a page from his book and I give mean, everyone Fs for a second. But... <laughs> and just have, like someone just interrupts me box, and I just bring you know? up the grades page and just give him an F right then and there and keep talking. And everyone that interrupts, F, F, F. I swear, man, it'll work. I'll be a great teacher. You know what? It's, is that, it's is on that your the plan? Table. You want to be a teacher? Like, just that Spanish degree opens up a lot of doors. Like, and I could do it wherever. Like, with that major, I could go to Japan, teach English or Spanish, learn Japanese. I love sushi. You know, like, there's interesting options out there that I'm excited to pursue. But right now, I'm just trying to get a base on this freaking language that I hardly speak, man. It's hilarious. Like I find ways around it. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard. Once you learn one language, language, it's super easy to learn mm. like every other language. Well, you know, I'm actually. But uh, I don't know one how of my Spanish is classes is uh, Spanish 398 bilingualism, and it's taught entirely in Spanish. But the whole entire uh, quarter is about bilingualism and kids and adults and just the whole science behind bilingualism. And it's really interesting just kind of what your Mm -hmm. brain does with a new language and, you know, similar language, those uh, romantic languages, the Latin based ones, they're they're just so easy to kind of hop back and forth from one to the other. But then something that's vastly different just takes so much more time. Like, yeah, we're we're English speakers. And if we wanted to go uh, speak Chinese or Japanese, it's hard, dude. Like, that's not even close to English. Yeah, there's nothing – I mean, there's, like, so many different things. I mean, like, people say – so when I when I was doing, um, like, high school, I was a freshman. Some kid was taking Japanese, and he was telling me that you have to say hello. Like, he was complaining that there were so many different ways to say hello because it's – I mean, re- those Asian cultures, they have a really respected base um, language, you know? And so there's, like, different things you say in the morning – to the evening, to the afternoon. You know what I mean? So you have to say hello in a different way, just depending on what time it is. But I was thinking about it. I was like, that's the same as in America. You know what I mean? Like if I say good morning to someone and it's like midnight or like 11 o'clock like, at night, they're be like, what yeah, the fuck man, it's, a, it, it's all about context too. Like every language makes sense if you could just sit in and listen to it. Like as a, a really, really fucking white dude that is able to, understand spanish a lot better than speaking it like all that uh yeah you know, i'm able to speak my mind mm-hmm. i can do it and uh what it's technically called like advanced level shit but i'm, I'm just way better at taking in information so it's I'm, i don't want to call it eavesdropping but, but you know when the there's people walking around you're able to kind of tune in to stuff that you would never able to get before it's kind of an interesting thing to be eavesdropping in a way. Like I went, like a couple of years ago, I went in an elevator and a lady called mm-hmm. me Guapo, you know, to her homegirl. I'm like, oh shit, you know, Guapo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know like, that oh, one, yeah, but I'm yeah, just, uh, <laughs> one that's kind of developing with it. I'd love to, you know, pursue another language someday. I, I don't know or care what it is at this point, but man, there's just so many opportunities to do something cool. Mm. Um, 
so I mean, is, is there anything else that you, you know, like to talk I, about? I think that Fergie? this is that, it's also sufficient, man. That's it. This was a really good experience. I just don't have anything off the top of my head. If you can think of something weird, I could bring it up. But yeah. Um I mean, I feel like I just, that's everything I know about you, you know, you're in a band and there was a point where your dad was growing a marijuana, uh, or he had a marijuana farm, but I didn't know he had it for so long. That, that was it, interesting. It's so gangster. And he doesn't even smoke weed. I, uh, I, I sat down and we had a puff together one day and he had a full blown panic attack. Like, I'm sure the dude would rather do a couple tabs of acid and a whole fifth of whiskey to himself before he takes two puffs of pot. I swear, man. Papa Frig's a, he's a legend, though. Mm. He's OG. Papa Frig forever. <laughs> so, when it comes to marijuana, are you like a sativa you know, or are I, you I a subscribe to a indica feeling. kind of person? You know, that, uh, that red Panama I had a while ago, that was really, really interesting because... Uh, when I did it, like it kind of just hung out behind my eyes and I just started smiling. That's what it's all about. And then part of it is enjoying it with a friend, you know, if you end up getting about and doing that. But if I'm trying to sleep, then sure, I'll go towards more of like a indica based thing. But like the main thing is just drinking a lot of water throughout the day and having a healthy body so that you can enjoy and unwind at the end of the day. You know, for me, it's something that's earned, and basically, whatever comes my way, I'll do it. But it, I, I prefer to have something quality mm-hmm. that I can, you know, sit and kind of ponder some stuff for a bit. You know, definitely makes uh, watching regular show on Hulu a lot better. But <laughs> oh, what? Oh my God, I love regular show. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, what? Mordecai and Rigby was like my uh, my childhood, the ex- <laughs> the excellent challenge. Oh and, my god, uh, there, there's so many that good was like ones. My the baby ducks episode. hanging out, uh, the dodgeball tournament. Yeah, it's classic. Mm-hmm. Then, and I just watched through Adventure Time, the whole entire thing on Hulu. Wizards Only fool. That's god. where the Wizards Only thing came from. What a, no, for only, real. Yeah. What a, what a the, classic. That show is just a, a, a beautiful thing, but I like that kind of animated adult cartoon sort of thing. It's cool. I've been I watching past the a third lot season. It's not on Hulu yet, and I'm too broke to do it anywhere else. I don't know. It's just something about – I don't know why I like Rick and Morty. and I, I think this is the only reason why I like it. It's something about a character being so, like, um, just unstoppable. You know what I mean? Like, something that's so overpowered. Like, Noah can stock Rick, Rip, Rick Sanchez. And, and I think that intrigued me because, like, he always gets in these uh, sticky situations where you're like, oh, this, this might be the time where Rick Sanchez dies. And then he just gets out I mean, it's, just gets it's something it, weird you know? to see someone that's powerful but also crumbling. You know, they, they, they lean on that in the show a lot. Like you see him really, really down in the dumps and you see him enjoying other things, you know, going through all these mood swings and, you know, that it, it's really telling. I think it's just really mm-hmm. nice storytelling and they're able to do it with kind of a free flow feeling. Like there's no super, super like made up 
uh, like sitcom scenario for it. It's just a fluid thing. And then, oh, you can just make any word up, you know, like plumbus. Like you could have your plumbus. You're fucking plumbus. Yeah. You know, plumbus. Like the whole, the whole, the whole how it's made for plumbus Uh, is just made up words. And the schlammy comes by and he spits on it. And then the screw is gently jostled. Wait, I swear, man. Yeah. Uh, Justin Roiland. Um, and, you know, Dan Harmon when he was creating Community. I love that show. I don't know if you ever uh, dipped into that, but mm-hmm. there's uh, the, one of the main characters mm-hmm. in season one, Senior Chang, a dude that lied about having uh, Spanish credentials and he leans on being Chinese through the whole thing. It's epic, dude. I feel just like that guy because, you know, of my current education situation. So I have a I have a friend that his name is Robert Reimer and he can pretty much name anything that happens in Rick and Morty. And so I think I this is why I got into watching Rick and Morty so much. Uh he pretty much came up to me one day I was and he was like asking me my favorite episode of Rick and Morty and I told him it's that one episode <laughs> where like the parasites come in and he's like he's like there's only six of us and he yeah, like kills yeah, everybody else. That's the you good know what I'm talking about? With uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole, so, right? I was like, "Yes, Mr. Poopy Butthole." That's where he first gets introduced. And so, so I had told him that was my favorite episode, and he was like, "You only like that seat, or you only like that episode because of uh, Sleepy Gary." And I was like, "I was like, who the fuck is Sleepy Gary?" And I like, so I rewatched the whole episode, and it's the the guy that is played or quote quote in their in their. Uh, made up world it's beth's husband and actually jerry's secret lover (laughs) i was like what there's no whole entire episode the bomb but yeah that that whole entire like parasite concept they just do a little mind fuckery in a 20 minute cartoon what more could you want i mean what if what if that's how aliens were you know what i mean like you just maybe Michael Ferguson, you're an alien. And the only reason I know you and the only reason I have pleasant memories of you is because you're an alien. Well, shit. And then like the double edged sword to that is that if I were an alien, like why the fuck would I tell you? Like if I haven't told you now, there's a reason why I'm concealing it. But, but I'm also pretty sure like, dude, humans are so weird. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure we're aliens because we do some very interesting things. You know, we have like, distance put between us not just because of social distancing but you know like body space regionally in different areas like when you're hanging out in the country where people love to just hang on top of each other when they're talking like that closeness is important where in other countries you know yeah distance is a sign of respect you know you give someone their personal fucking space like like how how weird is it that we have all these rules like Hmm. humans could we have the ability to talk for thousands and thousands of years but instead, we just use the call system, I think is what it's called, where you just go, ah, you know, just grunt at shit you want. Like, but we could have been talking. Like, that was a possibility, but uh, we started doing it about, like, 10,000 years ago or a little bit further, I think. If I'm wrong, uh, I'm, I'm glad podcasts don't have comment sections. But, yeah, <laughs> like, like, we were able to talk for forever. Yeah. And then someone <laughs> was like, man, I got to take a shit. And then someone else was like, oh, I know exactly what he's doing. Crazy. And you start naming things like language is weird, man. 
we're we're aliens. I'm pretty. I'm I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like ah. aliens are definitely among us. You know what I mean? So I was listening to a I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, it was like a couple days ago, and he was talking about like, um, you know, Not how, like once in my ever life went hunting before, ever. <laughs> I mean, I've never went hunting, but I I still kind of got the reference. But they use when hunters they go and use like decoys. You know, like like turkeys will hang out with these decoys for uh, hours on end if they if they really wanted to. You know. And um, what if what if what if humans like there are some humans on Earth that were actually just decoys, and they were just such well, advanced I mean, decoys. That's you know? that's a weird concept because if there are you know decoys hanging out there, I'm not sure what they're doing. But like if there were aliens that were able to adapt and look like humans, I swear to God there'd be like two groups of people like the ones that want to make sure that they're safe and secure and everything's peaceful. And the other guys that are like, Hey, get the truck. Like we're going alien hunting. You know, that's, that's where I think uh, that big divide would be. But. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there is those types of people, you know what I mean? There, I mean, there, there are people that are like, Oh, let's go. And maybe we'll find some aliens. Let's try to find area 51. And then there's obviously like you and me were like, Oh, well, I think aliens are real, but. I'm well, not for sure. But I mean, like, it's a you know I mean? like statistical super probability that there's other life out there. But like we think of consciousness as something very unique, like our ability to talk about consciousness, you know, our developed thoughts, like our whole culture that keeps bringing more people in the world, teaching them all the shit that everyone else knew. And then those first people die. And then it's just this big centipede that keeps rolling on through time. And, and that's, a, a, you know, I kind of forgot mm. where I was going with that. But, the, yeah, that whole entire, you know, chain of learning shit and then just passing it on. Like, we think of consciousness as something really specific. But out of all those other planets with some form of life, like, who could say if that was even conscious life, you know? And even if it were, like, why the fuck would they want to leave their planet? You know, they're like, oh, you know, it, it's great here. You know, like, why would I leave space? That's bullshit. You know, it... if you could, if you could take a one-way trip to space, but you could never I talk to know, anybody, man. I, would, like, would you I do had it? To just go on a spaceship alone, Matt Damon style, and you know, eat shit potatoes. I would absolutely not be the first dude to do that. <laughs> or, you know, if I, you know, had something fun to do. Like if I could uh, end up just calling people being like, Hey, you can call me for a hundred dollars for like five minutes and then just raise money all day for my return trip. You're like, Oh yeah, dude, I'm the guy on Mars eating shit potatoes. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you for the call. You're sending me home. But besides that, I, I just don't think I'd get after it. Would you? <laughs> no shit. I think I would. I mean, like, obviously, I'd admit, don't, don't get me wrong. I'd miss my family and stuff, but I think, dude, I'd go, I would definitely go to space. The first option, like, they, they're talking about doing a space force, and I'm like, oh, man, I might, I might have to oh, drop fuck. out of this Air Force and just join the space force, because if there's even, like, a slight chance I can go to space, like, I'm going to Going to space it. is one you know thing, I mean? like, but I honestly don't even know if I would do it. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Like, I also have a background in Spanish at the moment. That's as professional as I get. 
and I can talk really fast sometimes. Like I, I, I don't think that being out there in the cosmos would really be doing anyone else any favors, but for myself, you know? Yeah. Hopefully everyone or, that leaves can speak the same that? language. Like being you know? the only so. fucking dude that can speak English and then everyone else is way smarter than me. You know, like I'm, I'm ready for it, man. It's cool. But if it were readily available for, you know, everyone, um, like, oh, you can go to space, you know, for like a hundred bucks, like I'd absolutely do that, hands down. I want to float. Well, everyone wants to float, right? And, and so then they're like, oh, just do those, uh, what's it called? The simulators, like the, the space simulators where you, you have no gravity or whatever. No, and, and I do actually, not think man, that I'm is like, the same I'm at all. in my ears, and that change in pressure would actually like completely ruined the rest of my hearing. Like I, I'm saying what, what all day long and any sort of plane ride like that would absolutely make my head explode. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a space guy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not for space. You know, I was actually talking about you a couple of days ago. Cause we were, we were talking about, cause I had drowned in a lake and somehow went to, um, you being underwater oh and you don't know which way is oh, up. Man, uh, that happened to me when I was, you know, swimming in a pool. Like my mom was working and she worked uh, with senior citizens that were in the military when they were younger. And so I ended up going to this place. Mm-hmm. They had a pool and it was only five feet deep. But I went under and I started, you know, doing some spinning around and shit. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I need to go up for air. And then my head touched a wall or the bottom or something. And so I really started panicking because I would have been so embarrassed that the news teams would have come and I would have instantly been a meme. Like, you know, 16 year old dies in a five foot pool, you know, drowns in it, man. Like I'm six fucking feet tall. (laughs) Yeah. It it, would have been, yeah, six foot, 190 pound man dies in pool (laughs) because. Like, you know, five I'm foot a foot pool. taller than that, the that pool. Would look like, terrible. That pisses me off. <laughs> so, are you, do you have like a fear of swimming? Because, I mean, I have a fear of swimming, but that's you know, just that's, that's uh, very, I almost drowned. You know? yeah, that's, that's a huge reason to be freaked out by it. I, I haven't had that scary of an experience yet. Like, it never got that close for me. But I, I have a healthy fear of everything that should be feared. Like, the water is, you know, easy and gentle, and then it's also unforgiving and a piece of shit when it wants to be. You know, like, it, it just doesn't care. It's about how you wade into it. And so my thing, like, I, you know, I like jumping off cliffs every once in a while mm-hmm. and splashing around. But, you know, I also have a slight belief in lake monsters. That's a big thing. <laughs> no, for real, man. There's one in Spokane, I swear. Really? I swear. Yeah, I, I Red Lake, Red Lake. They have uh, tunnels that lead to Long Lake, and I walked in, and the person I was with was freaking out because you know, like he and I were enjoying this lake. I found it earlier, and you know, wanted to show the homeboy. And so we get in the water, and he's like, "Dude, stop fucking with me!" And I'm like, what are you talking about? We're like knee deep at this point. He's like, "You're like kicking rocks onto me." I was like, dude, I'm not kicking rocks. Like, that's weird. And he's like, ow, dude, that fucking hurts. And so then I thought he was messing with me. But then all out of the blue, 
rocks started going through the water and hitting the bottom of my shins. Like three of them. And then I fucking yelled and I got the fuck out of there because rocks were hitting me, man. That's lake monster shit. Or a real dickhead scuba diver. <laughs> I would believe the dickhead scuba driver. I mean, um, that just sounds... Freaky. Wow. That, <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I don't want to, like, piss on your story or anything, but, like, most lake monsters are just... Uh, well, I mean, that's, uh, like myths, that's the point of them. Know? Like, when they happen, they happen, but I didn't see a damn thing. I just knew that rocks were hitting my shin and there were no other cars around. Like the lake was totally isolated and it weirded me the fuck out, man. But honestly, there's so much ocean. There's so much water. Like you could, you know, explore it for a hundred years and not see everything. You know, it's an amazing, resilient place. So yeah, I'm a little afraid of the water. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. To answer your question, <laughs> well, we've, I, I think to go off what you said, I think we've only like discovered ten percent of the Earth's ocean. I think is actually bullshit. I think we Word. know more than yeah, well ten percent. You know what? You know? I'd, I'd say so because uh, you know all the particulars. I think that's something that can kind of get glossed over. Like, who needs to know every single species that's in there? Like, you just want to know about the important, cool-ass ones. But, like, mm-hmm. there's just so much shit on the seafloor that we're never going to get it all. There's going to be some weird-looking thing. Mana shrimps are out there. Yeah. Dude, sharks, seals, octopus. Dude, octopuses are aliens. They scare the shit out of me. Oh, it, it's not okay. Like, and they're super smart. be that crafty and versatile. There was a story, I think it was at the seaside museum mm. or yeah, the museum, like the sea museum. And they were talking about how this um, octopus, like whenever people went out at night, um, they had like this starfish problem going on where their, their starfish would just go missing and they didn't know where they went. And so they looked back on the security footage and um, the octopus would leave its like little cage type thing. And because it was an open thing, like it was just literally at the bottom. And so it would go to where the starfish were at and it would eat the starfish See, and then just go back before the crafty for me. Like it, in that terms for that creature, like the only reason he's hanging around is, is, you know, people are giving him food. Like that's a, that's his big deal. Like there's mm-hmm. no way that he's staying in there like forcefully. Octopus are free animals. I think octopus are just one like evolve away from being those face you know, from octopus the are alien versus predator Garrett Peterson of predators. That's for sure. <laughs> I swear, man. Oh my god. I, I hope that someone's <laughs> listening out there and keeps asking, like, who the fuck is Garrett Peterson? Like, who the fuck is yeah. How many people listen to this? He's on Yeah, uh I think probably like 20 maybe 30 people consistently but um my the podcast with Mm. let's see um i can't look right now but the podcast with garrett the last time i looked had like 27 listens and my first podcast that's the only one i didn't uh, get my hands on yet i just kind of wanted to know what i was stepping into a little bit 
for sure. I mean, just ask question. This is like the best part of podcasting where we get into a, just some like small mm. conversation and then we turn it to something big. You know what I mean? Like, I had no Dude, idea. I, I can't believe like I said anything about pussy octopus for earlier. Sure, so, <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, I, I heard you say that, and I was like, "Do you have a bleep?" I don't know if I'm about to bleep that out. Do or, you have or anything? But I mean, I don't. I I, I do oh, have. A we have bleeper, the technology. I, I don't know how to use it, so maybe I'll just put an explicit mm, language mm. used in this. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's definitely fair. Give the warning. Because I don't think I've heard many cusses in your podcast yet. And I, I think I've just been laying them down. I think I've maybe throughout my whole Fuck. podcast have dropped like three <laughs> F-bombs. So I'm not really too I worried. I need it. I hope that you keep this up for a bit. Do you have like an end goal? Like where you want to get with this thing? Or are you just having some fun? Honestly, honestly, right now, I just like talking to my friends on it. And, uh, you know, I mean, catching up with people. And maybe some people are like, man, I wonder what Michael Ferguson's up to. And then they listen to the podcast or they're like, oh, man, I haven't. I, I knew Garrett in high school. I well, you know, it, it's also a good you know excuse I mean? to just talk to you for however long we've been talking. An hour or so. No shit. Yeah, I yeah, mean, no, we, that's we just hit unbelievable for me. But mark, it, it's so. just good to talk to you okay. anyway. So it's cool that you're doing this. I heard that you're gonna have uh, Alan Combs yeah, on. Yeah. I love that dude. Yes, Alan Combs will be on Friday. Like I think I'm going to post this one after Like you already one, mentioned that he's going to be on, you know, and I, I see how that works. How do you edit these things? I'm sorry. I'm just diving mm-hmm. into this. It's so interesting. Oh, yeah. So Anchor actually, uh, you can like fix the start stop times. And uh, that's pretty much how I do it. And then you can put like a song before, but everything's done through the app of Anchor. And it'll automatically distribute it to either Spotify or um, pretty much any platform that you want. So, oh, I mean, even on, you know like, what? Uh, uh, could you do Apple me a favor? Could you play uh, just a snippet of Fergalicious before it starts at some point? Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know because it only works like the music's only good on mm. uh, um, Anchor. So as soon as it goes oh, to okay. Spotify, right. it just cuts the music out and it starts. I see it. how it all works. Yeah, I mean that song is the best thing that ever happened in my life. I swear. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's really what transformed exactly. Fergie. I mean, you, or you from know, Ferguson to Fergie. Do you do uh, you still Fergie go by everywhere. Fergie? Or I, uh, do people just you know, call you Michael? Eastern. When I first enrolled, there's a little you know line that you put in while you're doing all the computer stuff to get into the school and one of the items on it was do you have a preferred name other than your birth name for religious or you know you know personal reasons and i said well yes my name is fergie ferguson because i believe in the spaghetti monster cult or you know like whatever the fuck i could think of and so my teachers could call me (laughs) mr ferguson or senior ferguson but uh i all my classmates, Ferg, Fergie, and all of my teachers are from Spanish-speaking countries. And the way Fergie is on paper, they say Fergie. So uh, I'm Fergie to some, and I enjoy the heck out of it. Do you ever... I mean, oh, man, just I can like, it's, uh, it's Fergie. <laughs> like, 
Uh, like I, I he's been speaking that language like, for oh, so it's long. Fer- you know I mean? Fergie, but like I'm not gonna take a shit on Saul every time he says something wrong. Like then I'd be correcting him all day. Like ah, oh, it's so good to listen to that guy. <laughs> oh, man, Saul oh, is such a little dude. Oh, he's so funny. He's so funny. And w- when you piss him off, he just lays into it really, really hard. And I actually, I go to school with his sister. Yeah, Ava Batista. Yeah, she's in one of my Spanish classes, so I see her on Zoom every once in a while. Are you? Uh, I'd say that. Are you? In, uh, you know what? Like, it's really so hard to stay in contact with all the people you care about. But, like, I'd say that he's on that, like, permanent friends mm-hmm. list of foreverness because I love my boy. But, you know, it's just hard to click and make the connection, especially during the quarantine time. But while we were coaching wrestling together, that was really fun. I, I enjoyed the heck out of that with him. I just got to see all his great mm-hmm. – uh, he coached the middle school and the high school. You guys both coached and the middle so school? so we ended up getting paid and – got to like work our asses off to try to help some youngins. And it, it was a really enjoyable experience. It's a weird mm-hmm. transition for sure. You know, from being someone that's in the singlet to someone that gets to kick back and watch other people try hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, what do you think about, I mean, I, I just started coaching for this school that's around here. Um, Obviously, when you're coaching your high school, like mm-hmm. the same school, well, is, you it's know, got to be the, some type yeah, of pride, right? Thing, you know, I got my name on the wall. You know, it, it, it's all important. But, you know, when you're in the middle of it and you're wrestling in high school, like there is nothing bigger in the world. And, you know, the same thing in college. It's, it's so intense, like your devotion to it. And then once, once you take a big step away, you realize that mm-hmm. in actuality, it really didn't change the pattern of the universe you know it's all still spinning but it's all about that journey and like the man you become the losses the the victories like you know best and worst moments of my life during wrestling matches just how it goes and I, i i love it too because it's a interesting form of sport you know especially when it comes to combat sport because i think of wrestling as kind of farther away from real life than jujitsu. But I think that distance from real life shows how much of a sport it is. Whereas jujitsu just hits you in the face with reality and tapping is mm. the scariest fucking thing in the world. Like it, it is the kind of the end, you know, that's the end goal is some sort of submission. And I think that wrestling, you can kind of just get lost in the practicality for takedowns, all that stuff. But like, no one should feel weird when they're on their back in a fight. Like, you could be totally comfortable everywhere. But the main thing that you get from a training in martial arts for a long time is that kind of mental check for a lot of people. Like, you know, a, a lot of angry dudes go into it. And then by the time they leave, they get that jujitsu black belt. Like, you're not an asshole. There's no way you can be, like, the world's biggest douche with a BJJ black belt because you got your ass kicked the whole entire way up to the top. Yeah, It's just uh, one of those interesting Mm. things where you go into it, you might like to start the fights, blah, blah, blah. But after doing jujitsu for a while, you end up kind of calming down. You just take that breath. Like, I can't believe that I was so eager to fight other people. 
like it seems stupid and not fair. And then I've gotten scuffles with drunk friends mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they wanted to pick something with me. And I, I just lovingly take them to the ground while they're you know, throwing fucking blows at me and none of them are hitting. And yeah, it, it just, it's all love, man. Jiu-jitsu and wrestling. It's a lot of, uh, a lot, it's a cuddly sport set, but it's definitely good for the ego. Well, there's a, there's a saying that I know it's like mm. the more fighting like that, you that. know, the less you'll have to use it. You know, um, I, ne- I, I hope I never get into a situation where I have to, you know, fight somebody, but I feel like, I mean, obviously wrestling is not the only mm-hmm. thing that is going to keep me alive. Right. But it's definitely going to help. Right. So when I was at, when you're in high school and you're doing the grind for wrestling, you, you put yourself in this mindset where, um, like everything sucks. Like everything you're doing sucks. Like all the workouts, mm, those, those suck, little victories you have to, like, too along the way, it, you know? they just build you up like a motherfucker the whole entire time. Yeah. Like here's a perfect example. So Michael Ferguson, you had to wrestle this kid. Dylan. What Beaver. was his fucking name? It yeah. was Dylan. He's from Clark, yeah, Clarkston. Dylan Beeler, three time state champion. And every time you'd wrestle him, he would, first of all, he would in the beginning. You. And then, in the beginning, I mean, let's be honest. At first, one, it was not even close. It yeah. was not even close. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, exactly. It got really close. But each time you lost, you like learned something. But at the same time, you were like, man, this fucking sucks losing. Cause, you know, like you said earlier, well, losing I will say the best moment of my life than though, winning. Absolutely, hands down, was beating him and his senior night. And it feels weird saying that, oh, my best moment of my life was from high school. But I don't think people, like average people, will never feel that accomplishment. Like it, it was also one of the only times I ever won in overtime. Like I, I had fucking win problems until I went to NIC, but. Like, I ended up getting that takedown. I pushed off him, Mm -hmm. and I flexed out and just started screaming, man. Like, watched him go crying in the corner for a second. I shouldn't say that. Like, you know, he picked himself up, you know, shook his hand, and I found out later. He's a really cool dude. Yeah, he he carried himself himself really well, you know, because it's not easy losing on your senior night. It's his last match at home. And he's beaten this guy like seventy mm-hmm. times, and then he uh, did and then the weight all of a sudden he just loses. all that stuff afterwards. And then he was Devin Waterman's problem, which you know, so, sorry. <laughs> do you think like if he if you if he didn't cut, and do you think I, he? I think he would have been, been a problem for you about a problem. Like he can compete, but his whole deal is just hanging around the edge of the mat, and like he played it like it was for points, where I was playing it to win. You know, like I, I, I wanted to actually get really physical and get into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, him losing the weight was, it was cool seeing him end up walking away with the wins and such. But, you know, like losing the state final match, like so it, it, really interesting feelings, man. Like, I can't believe that they still have wrestling in high schools. It's like putting student gladiators out next to each other. But I was beating the dude and then uh, I try to, you know, do a leg <laughs> thing like trying to do a mississippi leg hump is what i was told it was called but it's where you uh get the guy standing up and then you kind of trip him down with a leg and he ended up getting on top in a scramble that was over in like a half a second and he was right in that pinning spot but you know it's just cool to be on that stage like 
even when I won my semifinals match to go to the finals, like I pinned a dude and I was so excited that I five-starred his stomach after pinning mm. And then I had to apologize immediately, but like, I, you don't know what to do. Like it, it, it's definitely weird for someone that has had that kind of experience to talk to someone who hasn't because like, honestly, there's nothing else in the world that is ever close than to that elite level of combat. And I say elite in parentheses because man, that leap from high school to college is so fucking weird. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like swimming in a kiddie pool and then getting dropped in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Like, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember seeing a post by Bryce Meredith and he had a picture of his hand being raised and it was like, from the outside looking in, you could never understand it. From the inside looking out, you could never explain it. You know? And... Because, I mean, you put all your hard work that, that you've done your whole life. It's not just accumulated from, oh, I worked hard when I was, I don't know, seven. And then I, I started wrestling now and now I'm great. Or I only wrestled during the season and now I'm great. And, and of course, there are situations like that. But most of the time, it's mm-hmm. uh, like my last podcast, Dylan Straley was on it. And he... He had wrestled his whole life and everything that he gets, he earns it. You know what I mean? Like every win he, and and for me, I was a late, I was a late starter. I started in in seventh grade and um, I definitely could have, I feel like I could have been better if I started younger, but at the same time, there's so many Mm -hmm. kids. um, Like I know this kid named Dalton Mose. He, his dad was a huge wrestler, second at, second at state or something and he like forced his kids not forced his kids wanted his kids to wrestle so they wrestled their whole life and then he got burnt out on it he just did, he didn't want to do this sport anymore well, so happens. his freshman year and he was just like know, yeah I'm uh, done wrestling that kind of weird relationship with the sport kind of got me into yoga too because I, I had to do some soul searching and while I was in Costa Rica you know doing god knows what you know, at that rave festival like just that yoga, I I felt a okay. Like it, I realized for the first time that my whole entire life, all the games that mm-hmm. I played, you know, the physical combat games, the wrestling, the jujitsu, the karate, like I was winning as long as someone else is losing. And when I was in that yoga practice, I just realized it's something that no one has to lose. Everyone can be very present with themselves and win every single time if they want to. And so it's about taking that kind of energy and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of keeping your ego in check and then you can apply it to wrestling or any other sport, but just realize that, yeah, someone might have to lose, but, you know, have that mindset of no one's losing here. Like everyone can kind of win. It's all about the experience and that's how you win. And so that, that's a good transition. I love the, I love the yoga dude. I always recommend it to people. Is there like a mindset in yoga that you do? You're like, oh man, I can't do this this uh, this downward facing dog the right way. But well, if I keep uh, practicing, position you know, called floor bow. My hips all the way down. Uh, it's where you basically uh, lay on your stomach and you reach back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> you do the you your uh, ankles uh, with mm-hmm. you know both hands, uh, left hand on left ankle, right hand on right, 
and you lay on your stomach and you try to pick your whole torso, uh, or I guess your upper half and your lower half off the ground. So there's only a little strip of your stomach and I couldn't reach both legs for months, dude. I, I was also weighing about 260, like reaching like that 270 mark just because I was doing a lot of work in the gym, like tons and tons of eating. And then mm -hmm. like I'd eat huge and then I would lift huge too. And then, you know, I, it was the winter. It was a winter bulk. And then I realized that like, fuck, I'm, I'm fat. Like I'm really fat. And so I went to yoga and, you know, that helps with, you know, getting the weight down. And, you know, if you do it regularly, it, you sleep better. Uh, your, your body functions just feel like they've been totally rebooted. Yeah. But I miss that most out of uh, mm -hmm. everything in the quarantine, man. Like I, I've just wanted to do that hot yoga so bad and it's hard to do it alone for me for some reason. I like that community aspect of a bunch of people in a room together, but also separate. I was also, I was just about to say, maybe you could just, I don't know, shut your bathroom door yeah, turn on the air dryer, <laughs> or the, yeah, the hair dryer and turn on some hot water. That's true. And just start That's doing true. some yoga. And, I mean, you have your own hot room right there. <laughs> but I mean, it also is that other aspect of other people. And I mean, when you, when you see somebody else mm -hmm. doing like the splits, you're like, man, I, yeah, and I could like, go one Of course, lower, when you, you know start I mean? yoga and you're a dude, it's all so, about like, oh, yoga butt you know, just checking out chicks in class a little bit, but like doing it politely, but you know, it's something that guys don't like to talk about because they don't want to seem rude, but everyone's checking everyone out slightly, you know, but as I progressed on my yoga journey, I stopped like caring about it, man. You know, like there, there isn't like my eyes don't wander ever. It's like, I'm just so in tune to what's happening. And, and then, you know, if like, I want to check out some feet in front of me, like I, I'm free to do so, but yeah, like it's not nothing obvious. You just be polite. And I feel totally like engulfed in just my own self, but not in a self-indulgent way, more like a self-liberating mm -hmm. way where all that focus is just kind of centered. It doesn't need to go anywhere. It's just happening. And I think that's really cool. Is there, so besides yoga, is there anything that's keeping you like sane these days? Other than uh, the occasional drink, maybe the occasional puff of marijuana. Uh. <laughs> Dude, we keep circling that boat. Like, hey, like I, I, I may have partaken in the marijuana. It's super, super hypothetically. Super hypothetically. You know, I, yeah, I can't wait for Coach Gaff to listen to this and, you know, be like, what the fuck did you say on that podcast? Yeah. You know, but. But, you know, like, I, I've been enjoying a little bit of whiskey, like RC Cola and whiskey. That's, you know, something fun at the end of the night. Uh, I did just drink into excess very recently, yesterday, uh, doing that celebration with uh, GP over his, you know, Ladies Day of Birth. Oh, yeah. And I, we, we, yeah, we played the Wizard Staff game, and I had to call my mom to take me home. Like, just how it goes. Yeah, and th that's a good thing to say, that we don't condone um... – Drinking and driving, you know, call your mom. Oh, yeah. And you know what? All, all moms want to get that call. They'd love to get that call. You know, they might like give you a little bit of shit for it. But the big thing is it's better than having you get arrested. It's better than having you dead. It's, yeah, it's better than the other phone call, you know, where they're like, oh, we have mm. your son. And it goes either one of two ways from there. It's either he is in jail for drinking under the influence or he is 
you know, six feet under soon. You know, I, I did some stupid stuff when I first started, you know, being the age to go to bars. Like, uh, like when I was 21, I went out uh, drinking and I was trying to keep a check on one of my friends that was just belligerent being an asshole mm-hmm. to, to everyone. But he was bar hopping and I just lost him totally. And I ended up, you know, stopping by a brick building and, you know, I did what men do, pee in public. And then, like, the second I was done, you know, shake the dende, I'm going to put it back in my pants, uh, fucking cop lights roll up on me. And then they sit me down, they get my license from me, they start talking, you know, all this shit, like, hey, you know it's illegal to piss in public, right? And I was like, officer, I know that you're accusing me of something, but I, I do know that what you're accusing me of is illegal, but I, I, I do not want to admit any sort of fault to anything. And then he kept, you know, pestering me for a couple more minutes to admit that I peed on something. Of course. I mean, like, and if then, you admit it, then he can yeah. arrest you or, you know. Yeah. I, I thought, like, fuck, he can put me in a cop car, all this shit. And so then I just all of a sudden, you know, like four beers in end up just growing the giantest pair of balls. And I said, officer, I, I, had, I do have one question. Like, you have a video camera on your car, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, like, did you see my penis? And he's like, excuse me? I was like, officer, did you see my penis? Like, honestly, like, do you have my penis on video or anything of my penis? Because my penis was not out. I was just looking at that wall. Very, very and closely. Then, <laughs> yeah. And then he fucking called me an asshole and left. And I felt like a drunken winner you know Mm. it was all going on for me that day but yeah like the big thing is kids don't admit to a goddamn thing uh shut your mouth but also don't drink and drive it stupid but if you're ever in a situation you know just shut the fuck up let a lawyer do everything for Mm -hmm. you like if everything you say can and will be used against you like just shut the fuck up it's that easy they're never going to help you your words won't help you. you you can think of it later you know what's crazy is like in the United States, like you're allowed to say whatever you want. So I could go out and I'd be like, I'm going to kill the president of the United States. And then people would just be like, okay, cool. Like that guy is slightly crazy. He's allowed to say that. And they can't arrest you for saying that either. You know what I mean? Like, what a fucking loser. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so cool that we have that. You know, I like saying whatever the fuck I want. It's important. You know, you get consequences for what you say. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, it's all just words, but it's the foundation of what makes humans humans. You know, our words are how we carry things. Mm -hmm. Our words live on after us when we don't. You know, it's important. It really is. You have any other rights you really like? Oh, man. I I do like the gun control right. I mean, everyone has like a different. What do you think about it? Like the whole gun control? Ah, man. Like it's a it's an interesting spot to be in. Like, I, I like to look towards mentors in my life, like Mama Ferguson, God bless her sweet, amazing soul. Mm. But Mama Ferg is that pacifist. Like, when the zombie apocalypse comes, she's grabbing the kitchen knife. Like, she's not preparing for anything because she really just has faith in people all the damn time. But I, I know dudes that are fucking staying strapped every single day of their life. And... You know, part of me is thinking, like, why would you need it? And the guy's like, well, you know, you never know. I'm like, yeah, you never know. But I think it's important for people to be able to arm arm themselves, but, you know, not with tanks or, you know, crazy rocket launchers and shit. 
but yeah, have your rifles, have your guns, but like also like, I don't understand why these dudes are walking into restaurants, like trying to get everyone to suck their dick with it. Like, I know they're trying to comment on something politically, Mm -hmm. but you know, at, 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 at the same time, like I see what you're doing, but you look like a fucking dork. Yeah, they're just doing it in the wrong you way. Know? Well, I, I mean, I, I like to think of like that dork metaphor. Like if you take the, the hippie dude with dreads down to his ass and, you know, covered in tattoos and always looks like a bum. If you gave that dude like a, a haircut, just give him that buzz cut. And then you gave him a regular T-shirt and some pants like that dude normally looks like a dork. And those dudes that are just walking down the street, totally fucking packed up. Like, that's the first thought that comes into my head. Like, they break the dork rule. Mm-hmm. Like, what a fucking dork. Yeah. I think... Like, nerds are cool. <laughs> nerds are cool, by the way. Yeah, nerd, dork. Yeah. Nerds, yeah. nerds are cool. Dorks are a little different than nerds. Nerds, for sure. Um, I, think, mm-hmm. I think gun control could be... I think gun control should be more strict than it is now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I have to get a license just to drive a car. Where I don't have to right. get a license to pick up a weapon. You know what I mean? I could, I could go into a local Walmart. I could pick up whatever weapon I wanted. And then I could just go home with it. They're, I mean, they're going to run my name through the system. And as long as I don't pop up, they're going to sell me that gun. Now, the, I bet the same person that did like the Las Vegas shooting or the shooting that happened in the movie theater that one time. They, they looked them up and they were like, oh, yeah, this guy's totally fine. They're, we're just going to give him a gun. Nothing's going to happen. He's probably going to use it for, I don't know, hopefully hunting. And then they go into a store and then they just, you know, just kill people. And I think that's where – it's not the weapon that's killing people. It's people that are killing people. And I feel like that's a very distinct thing that people want to blame guns. Like let people have their guns. It's not the guns that are killing people. You know, it's, it's, um, it's the people that are killing people. Yeah. Part of it, like, why are these angry high school dorks, which is what they really are fucking dorks at like the most extreme, angry, intense use of that word. Mm -hmm. Like what makes these dudes go in and start fucking shooting up the school? And, and how come it's only dudes? Like why are young men being so violent and so angry and having all that hate that they'd lash out in such a real and uh, irreversible manner. Like, it's it's absolutely bewildering to me. So I, I think a lot of people just focus on this, like, oh, they're trying to take our guns. And like, well, yeah, we're trying to take your guns, you know? Like, they're killing people. Well, no shit, but it, I think it's honestly time for a big, you know, settling conversation about the other thing. Like, why are these young people shooting the fuck out of each other? Mm-hmm. Like, why is this happening? Like, yeah, like the answer isn't just to take away the toy that they use to kill each other with, you know, that, that might do something. Like I work in Idaho at that auction house and they're gun auctions sometimes. And during a regular sale, sometimes there'll be like four guns that get sold, but you can't buy them if you're a felon. You can't, you know, they, they just have this laundry list of things. And I think about it like, yeah. You know, I don't think that uh, sexual predators should have the option to get a gun. Like, I don't think that they should be able to buy it from uh, my company, which is really, really cool. Well, that's, you know, that, I, that should I be like the standard, rules. right? If you're a criminal, you shouldn't have a gun. And I feel like that's – because it's not just uh, that they might repeat offend or whatever. It's just 
if I had to give a, a gun to like Alan Combs or a gun to, I don't know, the criminal, hopefully Alan Combs will do the right thing and make the decision, is my life worth saving or is it worth killing somebody else? You know, it's a big question. But I talked to a lady that was a pacifist, uh, you know, that, that second time I went to Costa Rica and during that like crazy festival, mm-hmm. this late, her, she was bald, you know, she had just shaved her hair, which used to be like past her shoulders, way past her shoulders. And she went to Costa Rica and did the buzz cut. And I was talking to her and she was talking about being a pacifist, but to such an extreme extent that she said, like, oh, if someone at one point in my life came up to me and just started beating me and raping me, she's like, I wouldn't even try to stop it. I just let it happen. Like, that's how much of a pacifist she was. And I thought, you know what? Like, everyone should be able to defend themselves. It's fight or flight. It's what animals do. Like, you have the right to, to do that, to defend yourself. But at the same time, I understand, like, why pacifism, you know, that peaceful route. It's not always the answer, but... You know, most of the times that Dan's ball should be. Are you, I mean, obviously you're not a pacifist, but do you think like you would go to a pacifist uh, way of living if you could? You know, uh, 